everybody and welcome to the Governance Evaluator Governing for Resilience webinar. Today we're absolutely delighted to be joined by Kerry Rivett. Kerry is the CEO of the Royal Freemasons and also a board member of LASER. Kerry, an enormous welcome to you. We are so looking forward to chatting with you today and talking about resilient governance. I'd like to hand over to you because Today, you thought you'd like to start by giving us a bit of a background on what's actually happening in aged care at the moment. I think your webinar is extremely timely given what's going on in aged care at this given moment. And I think there's been heightened governance, especially around um, what's going on in the Royal Commission and what's actually happening with COVID-19 at the moment. So. Just before we actually start, what is resilience? And you and I were actually chatting just before about resilience and it's being prepared for the unprepared really. And I think our chief medical officer here in Victoria actually said that I think a couple of days ago around nobody could be really prepared for what's actually happened actually in Victoria with the number of facilities that have actually got COVID going on at the moment and how resilient this virus actually is. So, but I think aged care has been in that heightened governance for some time, given what was going on even before COVID was actually happening. And this has just condensed it. If you think about aged care is going to be around for a very long time, it's about to triple by 2050. So aged care in some form is going to be required over the next 30 years and beyond that. But what does it look like? I think it'll be shaped by, we've got a lot of public scrutiny going on at the moment and aged care is actually not seen positively and that's actually having an impact on us all and especially our staff within mm. our facilities that are so dedicated to their work. We've got multiple inquiries going on and I think we've had something over 40 inquiries over a number of years and not that many outcomes. So this government's got a lot to answer to. We've got increasing regulation and I think you'll see more increasing regulation in response to COVID-19 around that and the quandary between regulation and compliance and quality, that balance. And we've also got increasing acuity. We're living longer and because we're living longer, we've got those complexities as well. All in an environment of really tight financial constraints. So we've also got decreasing funding going on as we speak as well. Well, that's been going on for some time. Yeah. So as I said before, it was already a struggling industry before COVID. And aged care, even before COVID, was at the forefront of everyone's mind. But I think COVID has actually even brought it to the front, especially here in Victoria with what's actually going on. The pandemic has accelerated and has compressed all the issues that were going on beforehand. And we knew, but even before COVID was happening, we knew that there was issues in aged care. We only have to have a look at the inquiries. We had the workforce. We had the matter of care document that was actually released some two years ago. It, that's gone so fast. Yet it had 14 strategic actions. And that's an excellent document. John Polaire's actually done a great job 
on that, but we haven't had that much outcome from it. You know, sustainability um, in funding, we do know from the Stuart Brown reports that 60% of aged care providers are actually making a loss. And this increases, and this is the frightening statistic, this increases to 75% in regional and remote Australia. Yet, you would have seen on the, in the newspaper on Sunday, the media actually come out and actually said, we've got all these big providers actually making a lot of money. But as we all know, one line of figures don't really reflect what's actually going on within a business. Quality and safety has been going on for some time. And I think we'll see some changes into the future around that. And I always sit there and question, is compliance quality? <laughs> mm. So uh, my feeling it's not, we need compliance, but sometimes compliance constrains innovation. So you need both at the same time. We need sustainable, sustainable effective governance. Okay, as we have more compliance coming at us, we do need sustainable and effective governance. No longer is this a cottage industry, no longer can um, directors come to meetings unprepared and no longer can directors, directors actually need to think about, they are the custodians of the business. Their, their main role is to ensure that the business is there for the long term and is adaptive in the long term. So we are, even if we're non-for-profits or we're profits or we're government, we need to be sustainable. We need to have effective governance systems in place. The Royal Commission, the Royal Commission is still going on. The outcomes of the Royal Commission were actually happen, were to happen in November. We're not going to see that until March 21. I hope we do see it in March 2021, 20, but they've got a lot of work to do. So it wouldn't surprise me if that went out a little bit. But yeah, and this government's come out and said that they're not going to make any changes to the funding until they get the outcome of that Royal Commission. So we've got a lot of change coming at us whilst we've got this pandemic going on as well. If you take a look what's going on at the moment, and if you take a look at our past, it's a real delicate balance as directors and senior executives that we're actually dealing with. On a daily basis, we're actually dealing with the public scrutiny and what effect that has on us and our reputation. We're actually having to manage the media, which is difficult at this given time. We're also balancing the act between ensuring that our residents and our staff are safe and also sustainability. Okay, so that, that balance between clinical work, OH&S issues and sustainability. So that balance, and I'm sure many of you are actually dealing with that, that safety and insolvency sort of issue because the cost of PPE is absolutely massive and the cost of ensuring that we've got adequate staff on our floors to deal with COVID-19 has been absolutely massive. Managing risk without resources and staff. We've seen all over the newspapers and all over the TV around this balance that when 90% of your staff are sent home, <laughs> how do you manage the risks in that kind of environment? And how do you be prepared for that? Like at this given time and our past, 
we're really facing some of the major changes in aged care and we need to be resilient to be able to cope with that if we're going to survive into the future. So Kerry, I love what you said about resilience is being prepared for the unpreparable, if there is such a word. <laughs> but it's true. I know we were talking about this earlier and um, my hubby is a physician and he said to me, it doesn't matter if you travel worldwide, there is no expert on this. Mm. No one's ever been through this before. So with that in mind, let's talk about the definition of resilience. And I love this quote that you gave us earlier. Being prepared for the unpreparable. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's for a capacity for any community or any organisation mm. to learn, cope and adapt and transform. Okay. In the face of adversity. Okay. And that's our roles as directors and executives to be able to do that, especially during these times. I've been looking at the work the Governance Institute has actually been doing and I've been looking at the aged care governance document and they talk about and I love this the, the ability to be able to pivot adapt and thrive if there's any time in this industry that we need to be able to do that that is now we need to define and understand what the new normal will be and I talk about the new normal because when we come out of this the way we do business and what business looks like will be our new normal. And you can see culture changing already. As people are working from home, people are using this type of environment to communicate with. As people are adapting to get their work done in this type of environment, we will see a new normal. There will be changes in culture. There'll be changes in the way we lead. And one of the things that's really, and this happens when you go through pandemics, consumer behaviour changes. Yeah, because in times of adversity, they do change. The most important thing is around that ability to adapt and thrive is around the recovery plan, okay? Mm. And managing your risks, your infrastructure and your IT. You really do need to have all of that in place to be able to be absolutely resilient, yeah. Through times of pandemics and times of a high risk, you need to stay operationally resilient. And I talked to you, Fee, about getting amongst the weeds, yeah. understanding the weeds, but don't get stuck in the weeds. <laughs> okay. I think as a clinician, I spent and moving through management, I learnt over time that if you get stuck amongst the weeds, you don't think about the bigger things and therefore you're not adaptive. Therefore, you keep putting out the fires and not preventing the fires from actually happening. During these times, yeah, very operational. However, you still got to be able to go up and down. This is the strategies. And one of the things that I have learned, don't panic. <laughs> don't think about the worst. Because if we think about the worst, we all get stuck. Yeah, so don't panic. And you need to lead. You might be quivering in your boots. <laughs> However, at this time, the people around you are looking for you to lead. You've got the answers. You may not have the answers, okay, but you know, people need to think that you do have the answers around this. You need to be present and you need to rise and fall with what's going on in your environment. So you need to be very adaptive and quick and change. 
as well. But along the way, engage with your staff. And I think that's one of the biggest things I've actually learnt, how you engage with your staff and using different mediums to actually engage with your staff. We've been using Teams, we're using, you know, all forms of technology to keep our staff informed, keep them up to date, keep our residents informed and their families as well. You know, check and manage risks proactively. This one, yeah, risk register sits right in front of you and you need to actually manage your risks and you need to lead. And this is a time to really be more assertive and recognise the risks and manage them. You need to be proactive and not reactive. And it's, again, as I spoke previously about, it's a delicate balance of the dollars and safety. And that is so difficult in this industry, balancing that every day. And I know, Fee, you and I come out of the old nursing process, so, and I use it every day. You've got to react and adapt. And, you know, that assessment planning, implementation, evaluation, I use that every day in my life. If I follow that framework, I seem to be able to tick other things. I've added, I've added a few other things to that framework around communication and documentation. So assess, plan, implement, evaluate, communicate, and document. If you follow that, you'll tick off everything that you need to do. And I think you and I actually spoke about often in this industry, we learn things along the way. Mm. Okay, and we really need to be open to unlearn and ability to learn new things. If we're going to, if if we're going to move into the new normal, I think we need to be open to that sort of cultural reform. Yeah. Look, I, I actually I totally agree with you, and I love that that it's so old fashioned that nursing process, but it actually really works if you're head is falling off, you just follow that systematically. Yeah, so, and I, I, I like yeah. systems. I'm mm. a very, I've got a very systems mind. So often when you're in times of panic or times when things are out of control, it's really handy to put things in boxes. You put, you, everything's sort of like a jigsaw puzzle. It's all around you. And you have to actually think systematically to get through stuff. So... I often use that as a framework for my thinking. Yeah. I think it's very valuable. And what also is very valuable uh, in the conversations that you and I have had recently is some of the fantastic tips that you've got for resilient governance. So let's go through some of those together now because I think they'll be very helpful. Yeah. I love this I'll... one. <laughs> Directors and see you need to understand all aspects of the business. Okay. And a lot of directors do understand and CEOs understand the businesses. But as I said, don't get stuck in the weeds because you become part of the problem and not part of the solution. And we need to be part of the solution. So you need to understand the weeds, but you also need to see a way out of the weeds, and that's being strategic as well you also need to understand in the weeds you need to understand your risks again and that's around those areas around clinical people finance quality and reputation yeah you need to understand those risks fully but once again 
we've got managers <laughs> who can actually deal with those things. We just under, need to understand that there are risks around this and what's being done about it. But we need to be able to take that information and think about, well, how does that impact the future of the organisation? Again, don't get stuck into the weeds. Yeah, yeah. Get yourself out of them. Yeah. And as a clinician, that took me a long time to do because I often got stuck in weeds with, with everybody else and that's not helpful. You feel part of a team, but we actually need to get ourselves out of there so that we can actually govern because we're the custodians of the business. We're here to make sure we're here for the long term. So you need to, this is what I do like, you need to understand today, but be adaptive to build tomorrow. So that's strategy, okay? And now's the time to think blue sky. We've got the Royal Commission actually happening. We've got COVID actually happening. It will be different into the future. So we actually need to have that blue sky thinking and we need to be open to that blue sky thinking. And even though this government would like to put us all in one box, I've worked in regional Australia, I've worked for government, I've worked, you know, in big organisations, not one size fits all. Hey, we're in the human business. I always have a saying that we're all special and we are all special. So with special people, we all don't fit into one box. We need to think um, differently to meet consumer needs. And Fee, I do like that we need to be an owl, but sometimes yeah. a sparrow. Yeah. It's a good image. I love that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as directors and CEOs, when you're in pandemics, sometimes it's really hard to stop and rethink, but it's imperative that we actually do. As custodians of the business, and we, we need to do that. Yeah. And as I said before, there's lots of opportunities at the moment for blue sky thinking around this some of the examples and these are only some of the examples that i'm thinking about at the moment before covid happening before covid the royal commission was sitting there thinking about what does the aged care sector actually look like into the future and i've released several documents that get you thinking about if you take a look at the aged care sector in Australia at the moment, it's very property driven. It's very residential care driven when you compare our stats with the rest of the world. But if you think about what's happening with COVID and the impacts it's actually having on our occupancy, like occupancy in Victoria pre-COVID was up around that 90, 91%. Post-COVID, and I look at my own occupancy, it's dropping. If COVID gets into your facility, the death rate is quite high and also people are wanting to stay home longer because mm -hmm. there's no trust in aged care at the moment that trust is actually the reputational risks are huge at the moment so if you think about that what does aged care look like in the future it may not be residential care infrastructure it may not be the home but what's the definition of a home so it's that big thinking stuff that we need to think about is around what does the future actually look like and prepare for that because any shift will take some time to actually implement. 
Resilience really means we need to think about what we need to rethink about for the business for the future. One of the things when you're in situations like we're currently in, you've got to be brave and courageous. And I always talk to my executives about we need open conversations. Nothing's off the table. And often people feel a bit threatened to actually raise what they would consider stupid questions. But hey, I've, I've been sitting around the table and someone's raised something that they would think was stupid, but it's been a brilliant idea. Yeah, so it's really, really important to be able to have really open disclosure around the table, especially with your management and with the board. The board should know everything. You don't hide things. If you hide things, you get into trouble. You need to be, I'm not saying, you know, you go in there and actually what I would call verbal diarrhea and go, it needs to be structured in some way. But if you've got something going on in your organisation, you need to have open. And at this given time, if, if you take a look at where it's resulted in negative media, it's where we haven't had open disclosure. And if anyone's had an opportunity to read the open disclosure document actually on the Aged Care Quality website, that open disclosure document is actually very good. It's one of the documents that I have used in the development of our complaints process and all sorts of other things. So it's actually a really good document to actually read. One of the things is, and this is unlearning the learnt, never assume anything. Okay, so one thing I've learned in this industry is never assume, always ask questions and also be open to the possibilities as well. In times like this, you need to be agile, you need to make decisions, be brave, make the decisions. Look, it was the right decision at the time, but be agile and change. Okay. And make decisions on the best information available, not on a whim. You need to have information to make informed decisions, but you need information timely. So you can actually make decisions very timely. But if you're given, and the pandemic is a classic, a classic one where things are changing all the time, yet the general public are actually looking for it all to be structured and straight linear in some sort of way but because this is a pandemic and we're dealing with a virus that's changing all the time it's more agile than us at the moment so yeah as we get on top of this it will be our agility to actually change and again I go back to learning to unlearn be open the decision you make now might be a different decision tomorrow don't blame getting on this blame game and I can see this happening in government at the moment nobody nobody wants to be there what we're looking for is solutions we need to move on we actually need we, we need to learn and we need to adapt we need to use a quality process around this but don't get stuck into that who can I pin this on yeah yeah again learn to unlearn and that culture of, and I, I spoke about this before, the culture of continuous improvement. Yeah. And never believe, and I love Maslow's hierarchy of needs, never believe you're going to stay on the top of the hill at the pyramid on self-actualization. 
if you've read anything about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you only stay there for a second because things change underneath and you get knocked off. So always be open to new learnings. I think this is a big one, Kerry, and we're getting lots of questions about not only leading on this culture, but also what is that culture? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a really big yeah. one. Look, um, we're, in, we're in these roles <laughs> and we have to lead. In during these times, we do need to lead, but we also need to listen. That leading, be able to lead from here, but listen and move up again. And you don't stop assessing, improving, and developing your capabilities. I learn every day. Yeah, it's sometimes I've been in this industry coming up for 40 years. Yeah, and I still learn every day sometimes i still sit there and think my god today i'm in the 20 foot swimming pool with two fingers on the edge <laughs> but people would never know it but you just need to be agile you need to know where you can get your information from we don't all know everything so that's the ability to be able to stop assess and plan and be open to getting information somewhere else around that the thing that if i look along my 40-year career and i started out as a personal care worker many many years ago if i look at my career back 20 years ago we would have had the 10-year strategic plan these days 10-year strategic plans are null and void within two years yeah so that's what we're seeing is this world that's moving so fast and the need to be able to be agile and resilient, that need to be able to be adaptive. So we're actually seeing strategy plans. You might see a strategy plan that goes out for three years, but you're actually reviewing it within 12 months. And we even within those 12 months, you will see outcomes that may have changed within those 12 months. And that's the ability to be agile. That's the ability to be able to reflect and change. And again, this pandemic will make us, will force us into thinking very differently. And I think we're seeing it now. We're actually seeing now. Like if I looked at us 12 months ago, we would have been all going off to conferences and we would have been all talking about this. And now I'm seeing conferences on Teams and conferences exactly like this. So th this is a game changer. Yeah. The drivers of good governance post the pandemic world. Good governance is good governance. <laughs> I, I think, however, I think post pandemic world, people, it, governance will be in the forefront of everyone's mind. If you take a look what's actually happening in the Royal Commission, you see governance is at the forefront. Because if you have good governance in place, you can be agile, you can be uh, sustainable, those sorts of things. So you need, to, you need to lead from the top. And I, I think you know, what we see is we're relentless on our vision and purpose as well. And we focus on planning, but don't overinvest. And that's that ability to be able to adapt. Again, we need to have hybrid activities. One of the things that I think about in the business is the ability to diversify. Because the world is so 
diverse and it's moving so fast. I'm sure my parents said that about the world in the 1960s, but we say about it today. It, it's a different fast. It's technology is changing how we do things as well. And we need to be able to respond quickly to that. And that, again, I go back to learning to unlearn. What we've done in the past is not necessarily what we actually need to do in the future. But at the same time, don't throw the baby in the bathwater. It's about questioning. It's the ability to be able to question and ask those questions and be brave enough to ask those questions. And that's the thing, making decisions but being okay, it may be wrong. Might be right today, could be wrong tomorrow. But being open to that. And one of the things that I've seen over my years being in senior executive roles and being a CEO in various organisations, I don't think any longer, and I'm a director as well, we have to be prepared when we go to the board meetings. You know, reading our papers the night before is not great. We need to be consistently thinking about because we're the custodians of the business, we really need to think about what path are we on? Is it the right path? What are the issues? How do we deal with those issues? And about asking the right questions around the table. And I love this, procrastination is not our friend. That's just being open to new learnings, really. Actually, Kerry, someone said to me uh, along the lines of that, that this is not a time for hibernation. <laughs> oh no I thought no. that was a really good quote uh, yeah you, you have to lead from the forefront at the yeah. moment and you can't hide aged care is right out there I think and, Kerry it's the same with all of health yeah. aged care education wherever we are governing it's yes, it not is. a time to hibernate it's a time to be present I think is the best way to yeah, put it yeah yeah like and as I said before, don't panic. There's always opportunities. Mm, exactly. There is always opportunities. So it's just thinking about what those opportunities are and being adaptive and reactive. But I love that notion of being dual in and also honouring and looking after the disasters that have happened as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's very good. Yeah. Kerry, thank you. They are fantastic tips. And one of the most important things we did today was we knew that people would have a lot of questions given who for speaking today. And we do. We have an awful lot of questions. So what I'd love to do now is actually take you through some of those questions and we can all benefit from your answers. And the, one of the first questions is all about the opposite to what you and I have been talking about, which is what are the signs of not being resilient what are the signs that we all should look for of the wheels starting to fall off at a board level and at a executive level yeah what are some yeah. of the litmus tests for us <laughs> is it, you start seeing panic you start you seeing see panic yeah. yeah you see you see you, you you'll see people being uh reactive you'll see people start to be insular so operating in their own space as they're putting out their own fires and not gathering people around them and being a team mm -hmm. together. Because one of the big things about this, and I've seen this in this organisation and my previous organisation, pandemics actually bring people together. It's about how you bring those people together 
value everyone's ideas and have a plan going forward. Where I've seen it go wrong is that when you don't have plans, you have too many people taking the lead, you have arguments going on, and then people going off and doing their own thing. You can't afford to have that going on. During a pandemic like this, leaders need to lead and they need to manage the people that are actually around them, but also recognise everyone operates differently and take people on that journey with you. So, yeah. so what I think you're saying is one of the big signs is that everyone's staying in the weeds. Yep. They're not taking time to be strategic. Yeah. And they're arguing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. You often see it. You often see it in times of pandemic. You only see what goes on between the Commonwealth and the states. Yeah. And people starting to blame. Yes blame each other I think that's you know if you've got that going on that's a classic indication that you need to bring you actually need to do some work and bring people together because we're all in this together (laughs) (laughs) blame just makes people actually go more insular so Kerry following on from this conversation someone has asked have you got any tips for how to help directors not to get stuck in the weeds and to help the managers help directors yeah look as ceos and as executives reports make sure that you've got informative actually reports going up into your board but just just not reports about what's going on but what are the actions now what if you know this has occurred but this is what we're going to do about it and this is how we're going to monitor it so that quality cycle again assess plan implement evaluate that when you're reporting to a board, they want to know, they want to know that you know what you're doing. And they might add some things to you, which is fantastic. Have you thought about this, those sorts of things? And that's what, as directors, that's what we're actually there for. You know, we're another pair of eyes. But yeah, it's all about the reports going up. If a board is blind and they can't get the information out of the executive, they will go down in the weeds. And once they're in the weeds, they could get stuck in the weeds. It's about us. Open disclosure. Absolutely open disclosure, but also providing actions and outcomes as well. I guess it's a bit about that being thoughtful before the meeting and thinking what are the questions that people will ask and trying to preempt and get that, have that information already gone Be prepared. Out. Be prepared. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. as a CEO, if you know what's going on in the organisation, I'm sure everyone does briefing papers or notes or whatever, you you need to provide those reports to the board. And sometimes, because a lot of us have quarterly boiler reports or bi-monthly or monthly, you don't have to wait for the board. You can actually just disclose and they you might as a ceo you might have a discussion with a board chair around do we actually need to call the board together for this issue yeah Mm, that's really good some other questions are all around communication and honesty about the situation and people are asking things like how do we balance that vulnerability of people to the shock and the horror of the truth and but ultimately it's going to build resilience yeah And also people are asking, how on earth do you get truthful information from the government? And so that you can 
preempt what the board wants to know and get that good information to them. Yeah, and look, you just don't rely on information from governments. <laughs> you, you need to be uh, you need to be a little investigator. So at times, so you actually need to get balanced reports. So as a CEO and as a senior executive, that's our role to be able to fully inform the board of what is happening. And you know, I'm a laser director, so I've got to plug you know, our peak bodies. Now, our peak bodies do provide summaries of what's going on across Australia. And as executives, we need to be on top of that information and provide that information in a way to the board and how that information might affect our organisation or have we got that going on in our organisation and then what have we done about it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's not just what is the problem, what are we doing about it, how's that solution. Trending? Yeah. yeah, the solution, yeah. Another really important question about communication is supporting the CEO. So what is the role of the board in supporting the CEO right now? Oh, that's the, one of the major roles of the board chair <laughs> is to actually support the, support the CEO because sometimes the CEOs can be in very lonely positions mm. and the CEO and the board chair should be working together and often I, I ring our board chair if I'm dealing with something. I thought, oh my God, you just ring up and have that conversation with them. So it's really imperative that the board chair and the CEO actually work together. Yeah, and that signs of dysfunction is when the CEO and the board chair have got conflicts. Mm. That's not a good environment to actually be in. Yeah. And I guess in answer to that question as well, as a point that you've always made is just because it's a pandemic doesn't mean you should start supporting the CEO. You probably should have done it always. <laughs> that's that's yeah. right. But also it's the role of the CEO to build that relationship with the board chair as well. So you, you don't become friends, but you become very close collegial working partners because you're both, you, you know, where the operations of the business, they're the custodians, the two should fit together, yeah. It's very important. I've actually got a lovely comment here in relation to your talking about the need to drop down, scratch around the weeds and then get up and be strategic. And someone's actually said, "What would a chief future officer role help? <laughs> I think that, that's a very good point that some of yeah. the roles in the future are going to be, and who knows, we might even have that as one of our board subcommittees going forward. Yeah, look, and this, this mm. is where education comes into part. Mm. Like, you know, sometimes as CEOs, especially during pandemics, and we don't treat ourselves to education. And, I, and I've been to some great, you know, where you have strategists and you think, oh, my God, they're thinking 50 years ahead. But, boy, you come out of those strategy, those strategist sorts of talks and you all think they're very funny, but you do walk away thinking a little bit differently. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Kerry, so there will be – you know, you're right. You, th you think there will be a strategist mm. – well, there's strategists emerging now. Yeah. Yeah. And another really important question is to take you back to that discussion you had about the importance of cultural reform and the need to lead that. And the question was just wondering, can you talk a bit more about that culture of resilience and leading that? And have you got any examples of 
how you could do that? Yeah, like I reflect on our elders, our people that we actually care for, and I watch them. And I look, I've had lots of discussions with them. And you think about what they've been through. People in their 90s and their and a and hundred, and we've got a few of those in our organisation, when you sit down and talk with them, what they've been through. You think about they've been through a Spanish flu, they've been through the Second World War, they've been through a depression, they've been through several wars, and you think about how resilient, because they're the builders. You know, I, I see the people that we care for as the builders of our society. And you look at the young people today they have never faced what we're currently facing. I think one of the good things that will come out of this is that the young people of today will build more resilience around, around life in general. So I think, you know, that, that how you build resilience is about what systems and processes you put in place and how open you are to change. Because... I think change actually builds resilience. Yeah, so if you have an organisation that's not open to change, you won't be resilient. Previously, aged care was very like that. But given over the last 10 years, I've actually seen so much change. And I come out of mental health and was involved in the decommissioning of some of the big psych facilities. And you think about the cultures there and the cultures we actually have today, and that happened fairly fast. So, yeah, I, I, I think as we come out of this, we will be more resilient. We'll be more open to actually new ideas and to more that blue sky thinking. I know we're stuck in it at the moment. We're stuck in it. But for leaders, they need to think about how we come out of this. Mm. I think that's a very good like. point. Um, I would agree with you. I think, I think the given is that change or catastrophe or disasters will happen but it's up to you and, and it will define you. Yeah. It's up to you if it defines you in a good or a bad way. Yeah. Um, that's the power we have in this. We don't have the power to stop the event, but we have the power within us as to how it does, defines us yeah. moving forward. Now, I really, I, and the I opportunities that, out of it. Yes, you know? yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, might, we might be thinking, I think here some days, we're all working probably 12 hours days at the moment, especially here in Victoria, but the opportunities coming out of this and what are the opportunities for you and your organisation? There will be. There will be opportunities, yeah. Which leads me to my last lot of questions, which is about finance and sustainability. And... There was just a few questions around ACFI funding and, oh. yes, just those, this is sort of more of a laser question, yeah. expecting anything to come out of the Royal Commission around those things. Have you got any thoughts around how to make the facilities more sustainable in the future? I know you did refer to an example in your presentation, but it, it's really about insights into financial sustainability moving forward and and that notion of yes we've talked about culture and behavior but finance you'd like to think finance isn't everything but it does come a close second to oxygen so yeah. have you got any tips around that moving forward as a resilient board mm. look i look i think one, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a huge one. It's a huge one. You need to be effective and efficient. Mm, yeah, but what's the definition of effective and efficient when you've got 60% of providers actually not making any money? Yeah, look, I think, you know, laser is pushing for, is really, really, really pushing for extra funding in this industry. If you think about the maximum amount of funding that you can get is is that the $240 a day for your care and then your $50 a day for hotel services, that's not really much. And I don't think our general community actually see that. Yeah. When you think about a medical ward in a subacute setting is, you know, $1,200. Don't quote me on that. It's been a long time since I've worked in subacute. Yeah. Yeah. Yet the only difference between a subacute bed and a residential care bed is really we Medicare our doctors. Yeah, we still have to supply allied health services, all those sorts of things. So there's not equity in services. But will this government do something about it? Look, I think the Royal Commission's actually come out and said that there's a funding problem. There is an actual funding problem. However, Laser's actually pushing for at least $15 per resident per day as extra funding. And we're bloody, sorry, we're actually trying. We're really, really trying to actually get that. Will we get it? I don't, they're going to have to do something. If you take a look at the costs associated with PPE at the moment, the PPE costs without a COVID incident around, you know, if, if you change your PPE five times a day, it's about 50 bucks a day extra to do that. But if you've got, if you've got COVID in your facility, you can look anything up to $100 extra a day with masks, shields, all that type of equipment. You know, if you take a look at waste, been looking at waste and two weeks of a COVID outbreak, $28,000 to actually get rid of waste. You know, something's going to have to happen. So, yeah. So I am pushing. Yeah. As a laser director, I am pushing. So, and as a CEO, I've been out publicly pushing that this industry actually needs um, more funding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And finally, Kerry, some really good comments about it's not just about resilience, it's actually about endurance. Oh, it is. It and, is. And other people saying it's, it's, we're not even an industry, we're actually a service. So it's, yep. it's about enduring this as service providers. Yep. So I guess that's the final thing today. Is, hey, is aged care, aged, care aged care providers have been through a lot. Mm. But, but okay, so have so. health. health. Yeah, health. everyone. Yep. Everywhere, yep. yes. Yep. All, all people in any form of executive or governance role. So you a testament to endurance. So what are some tips as service providers for the endurance, the marathon that we're in? <laughs> Stick together, work together, look after each other, don't blame each other. And yeah, we'll get through this. This has mm. to come to an end. If you take a look at the Spanish flu, it did come to an end, it did take a couple of years, but gee, one hopes we'll have a vaccination next year. But yeah, yeah, as healthcare providers, we are resilient. We've been working in this industry for a while. We will get through this. Mm. I agree with you. I, I think my favourite quote at the moment about endurance survival is a a Darwin quote and he talked about it won't be the smartest and the most intelligent or even the strongest who will survive 
it will be those who can best adapt to change. That's right. And from my observation of all the extraordinary people on boards and executives that we've been working with, it's those who don't catastrophize this, those yep. who actually get to sleep on time, who eat properly, yep. who, who try to maintain a normal routine amidst yep. the sort of noise and chaos. And another really good tip, Kerry, I've been hearing is not to listen too much, resist the temptation to stay up late watching the news <laughs> and hearing all the catastrophes everywhere. Yeah, it's like it's about single creating thought. a zone. Yeah, like it's like where, where's the truth? Yes, don't lose yeah. the truth. Yeah, that that that's right. But you know, it, it's actually about working together. Mm. Yeah, and I was I I as as a leader, I do watch our executive and our other managers because often they'll work the excessive amount of hours and there's a point where you become dysfunctional you do need you do need to rest you do need to step away from it yeah because like, you become part of the problem and not part of the solution yeah it's really true and we have to all change our notion of a holiday it could be and we do this really well in my team you know take two hours off and go yep. and have a bike ride or you know Give yourself something to look forward to because the biggest thing at the moment, Kerry, is everybody's always worked really hard towards some lovely holiday or something, but nobody can do that right now. So I think to be able to be resilient throughout this endurance that's, race. That's right. Yeah. And one of the things that I find, because a lot of us, a lot of people are working from home, mm. that delineation between home and work, yeah, and I see it amongst some of our executives that will be, as soon as they get up, they're on the computer because the computer's right next to them and they'll be looking at the work for the day. Work never ends. And I, I know I'm always talking to them, you need to, you need to move away from it. You need time out. You need to go somewhere else and do something else. And also I have this thing about the three drawers. If it's not urgent, put it in the third drawer. Okay, if it comes back to bite you, put it in the second drawer. Now, if it comes back again, deal with it. It's in the first drawer. So, because often we get caught up in dealing with things that, and, and often as leaders, we're actually used as sounding boards. So, you, you really do need to sort out, you know, what do I really need to deal with now? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Kerry, I can't thank you enough for sharing all your wisdom, knowledge, all your vast experience for resilient governance. It's just been incredibly helpful. We've had a lot of people listening today and a lot of questions. And following this, we will send everybody a copy of this webinar and we will also send them the links to the resources that you referred to from the Governance Institute, both their article about bouncing back from adversity in COVID-19 and also the aged care article. We'd absolutely welcome on the back of our webinar today, anybody to contact us and have a chat with us about governance and any way that we can support you at all. But Kerry, thank you so much. It's been just fabulous catching up today and thank you. Yeah, and I'd like to say personally thank you to everyone out there. Yeah, we need you all.
Yeah. I 100% agree with you. Everybody who gets up every day to face this, incredibly grateful. Yeah, it's so true. Kerry, thank you. Thanks. 